Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the show where a real statistics professor and the Bonnie Toast Clyde Jake gives you sports betting tips. I'm your host, Professor Sides. For the latest updates and information, you can find me on Twitter at Professor Sides, and you can find my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. This college basketball episode covers select games scheduled to be played on Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. You should hear check out the webpage on the banner. It's slash new for a primer and explanation. Otherwise, the goals for this episode are to share key information about these games, give you some things to think of. And explain where certain plays are being made. We never recommend blindly tailing or fading any paper. Either to hear the justifications and thought processes to make sure you're fully on board with us or against us for investing your hard-earned money. Remember that Sideline has graded plays on every single game, but as always, take what you like and leave the rest. And if you have questions about these games or others, the best place to get those answered is in our Discord chat, which can be accessed through Patreon. The link is in the show description. As always, remember, there are no locks in gambling. So what Sideline provides are loves, likes, and leans. It is A, B, and C grades. Indicate its confidence level with respect to scaling wagers. However, please understand that good and bad variants will occur. So as much as we'd like to say will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Uh, our Monday for the model, another pretty good day. It's always exciting when that happens. Um, I'm I, Jake, we got, we got to get us one of these parlays. I feel uh, like we're right there and yeah. just... Like uh, uh, that's why I want the bank robber reference, right? Because the model is just like taking money from the books at this point. <laughs> but one of these parlays is gonna hit. Like, man, I like. I like. I didn't even see what you did there. I like it. I, I see. I, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, take the take. Just could not. Like the under was locked in at golden. Yeah. We didn't ever think about that. And then they just could not pull it out, and then fell apart at the end. They were up twelve yeah. with like two minutes left and just yeah i thought like we got a chance to get outside the number here we're right there knocking on the door and it's and we were talking about this a little bit before show yesterday we had the two b grade picks in uh tech and houston that we liked we talked about the under and both of them and we're just kind of like let's go you know tech you know that defense is so good you know the numbers a little bit shorter and houston had we flipped them you know, you would have had you would have had Houston on the again. Either way, you're going to get a loss, but you would have had the parlay winner. So we're right there on those. And like I keep saying it, it's look. There's going to be a point. I'm telling you, where we're going to get like three in a row, and it's going to feel so good. And I just I feel like we're on the doorstep on those. But otherwise, uh, two and two in the other picks for you, and a good night for the model. So uh, hopefully, we can have even a stronger showing here for Tuesday. But before we get to that, some reminders: please hit that like button if you're on YouTube. Also, if you aren't yet, please consider subscribing or following. It's free. And if you turn on notifications, don't miss any of the college basketball, MLB, or college football content that this channel provides. I've already mentioned that Patreon, but check it out if you haven't yet. Lots of great benefits that go above and beyond what we do here. Membership starts at just $3 per month. www.patreon.com slash picks with the professor. Even if you're not there, we are thrilled to have you with us here. We'll get to the games today. A couple of really fun ones. All lines courtesy of Online. Sign up, link in the show description. And current as the time of this recording on Monday night. Uh, the A plays, again, just keep rolling. The A plus play of the day, Jake, your favorite. And I like this one too. A lot of times, look. We talk right. There's 361, 63, I don't know, whatever teams. They just keep adding yeah, them. Yeah. Like, if the only way you know something about all of them, if this is literally your full time job, I am an actual statistics professor at a university. You have a real job as well. Yeah. We watch a lot of sports. Our wives are probably sometimes maybe not thrilled about the amount yeah. of sports we watch, yeah. but you can't watch all of them. So there's a lot of A plays that I'm like, I have no idea. I'm just trusting the model, right? That's why I've spent a lot of time building it. But then sometimes, I, you know, you do have a, a I, you know, I see something, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I agree with the model on this one. And, and I, I'm with you on this one. UNC Wilmington, Oklahoma, 
it's Oklahoma team very underwhelming and a UNC Wilmington team that I saw a lot of last year that played a lot of those uh, 4 p.m., 5 p.m. starts kind of can be frisky. We're getting a lot of points in this one. OU is a 14 and a half point favorite. So the A play of A plus play of the day here for you is UNC Wilmington plus 14 and a half. Sidelines should be 11 and a half. So getting some good value here, getting all those points. Just need UNC Wilmington to not get run out of the building, basically. Just keep it close and do exactly what um, Louisiana Tech did <laughs> to, to Texas yeah. Tech. Just a repeat performance of that here, and we're going to cash this one. Uh, Jake, what do you have to say about this one? Yeah, like, oh, this is a play kind of like Oklahoma is struggling. They are just not looking like they did last year. Gibson was a huge loss, apparently, and we didn't realize how big of a loss that was. Uh, maybe even Goldwire having that guard pre- presence because Tanner Groves does not look like the same guy right now. He mm. is – uh, averaging, I think, nine points. Um, he's still rebounding well, but he's just not being able to score. And I think that's because all the attention's on him. Uh, Sherfield, the Nevada transfer, seems to be the only piece that's worthy of being called somewhat good at the moment. Uh, Jalen Hill is the only other guy in double digits, and I think it's barely at like 11. Um, so he's, there's just not a lot of offensive help on this team that they're uh, turning the ball over. They lost to Sam Houston State, and I mean, Sam Houston State's not a basketball powerhouse by any means. They've had a, they've had a couple of good years, yes, but they're yeah. yeah, they're they're just mediocre at best, really. Yeah, and I think and Oklahoma had twenty plus turnovers with them. And I mean, I know they typically play a faster pressure uh, kind of game, but twenty plus turnovers to that step down is whew, that's rough. I mean, they're. They haven't won the turnover battle yet. They didn't turn the ball over as much and uh, against Arkansas Pine Bluff, but Arkansas Pine Bluff still covered on them. There was what, it was just a, Oklahoma zero and two against a spread, and neither one of them were close. The model faded OU in both of those games, and both of them were. I don't know. I think they maybe one a B, one an A, maybe both A's, and yeah, easy winners. Not even close to getting getting to the, to the window if you backed Oklahoma either one of those. Yeah, and I mean, Arkansas Pine Bluff carries a Kim Palm ranking of 355, and we just talked about there being 363. So it's not like they were flirting with halfway or something. This, I mean, even though I think Arkansas Pine Bluff might be a little underrated. But- they, yeah, they've been surprisingly good this year, that TCU game. Uh, and, and then, of course, they lost by 33 to Mississippi State. So it's <laughs> yeah. like... I, what we see with TCU, maybe that, that might say more about TCU and Oklahoma. Like at first, at yeah. first I was kind of like, Ooh, maybe Pine Bluff's like going to be not terrible this year, you know, more like a 313, not 350th, but you saw what happens in Mississippi state. You see what TCU and it's like, that might be about TCU and Oklahoma more than about Pine Bluff, yeah. like magically being better. This Pine Bluff team still may be pretty bad. We may look back on it and just say, yeah, we didn't realize we, we thought TCU and Oklahoma would be better in the big 12. And it's like right now it's early. It's super early. A lot can change, but for right now it's like those two teams aren't looking quite as good as we thought they were going to look this season. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just not putting it together, but this UNC Wilmington or Wilmington team is actually impressing me with how they're playing. I mean, they lost by 13 with North Carolina and gave them everything they wanted in Chapel mm-hmm. Hill and only re- gave up 69 points. I mean, that's – this pretty North impressive. Carolina team is very, very offensively yeah. talented. Um, I mean, because they, they brought back almost everybody from that uh, championship game uh, team. So, I mean, then they beat the brakes off a of D2 school. Um, they're – I mean, this Taz – Tazarian, I, I want to call him Tarzan uh, White from UNC Wilmington is a very good player. Maybe he wants to be called that too. We should ask yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, everybody knows him. 
Let me know. Let us know. I would if I was my name. I'd be a cool nickname, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he gets it. Uh, but like, I mean, he had 19 against North Carolina. He went from averaging six last year to averaging 18. Now he's a very, very good player. Um, it's taken a real leap. But the, one of the more impressive parts of this uh, New Wilmington is the fact they're hitting as a team, hitting over 70% of their free throws, um, and they're taking care of the ball, just averaging nine turnovers a game. As we said, there's not a lot of guard, good guard play happening here in Oklahoma, so I don't know that there's a ton of pressure where they're going to force a lot of turnovers. Um, and like we pointed out earlier, Oklahoma State is struggling to take care of the ball. They've had negative assist to ra- uh, turnover ratio in both games. That that's not very good, but really, especially like and that makes sense negative. again. Like we talked about, given that they've lost a home to Sam Houston and they only beat Pine Bluff by twelve, you say that the negative ratio turnover assist rate, you're like, yeah, it kind of may or you know not negative, but less than one. Right. It, yeah. you, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like that's, that's how, that's part of the recipe for underperforming against those two teams. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. It. And I think that's really uh, what's got Oklahoma going to, going to have a rough year this year and why UNC Wellington will, will cover this. And I don't know if you're getting frisky and you've got, and you're, you're winning from the, <laughs> got some winnings from the today, today with the model, you know, put a little bit on the money line. Cause the way this team, as uh, UNC Wilmington team plays, they could easily pull it off, but I don't think there's a high chance of it. Yeah, it's it's well, it's what we're talking about, right? And I have a whole web page devoted to this about how to bet the money line. It's that same concept, like the probability that UNC wins this game is not forty percent, but you don't need it to be for it to be a worthwhile investment. You know, if you're getting now shop around, this is where you really got to shop around because you're going to see at one book you'll get like plus seven hundred, and one book you'll get like plus. 1400 or, or whatever the numbers may be. Uh, usually there's not a lot of money lines on these big spreads yeah. the night before we were recording this. So, so you have to wait a little bit later, but that's a big difference, right? You know, and if you're able to get something like that plus 1400 or whatever, it's like, yeah, they're going to win this game, you know, one out of 10 times and plus 1400 makes that a, a worthwhile investment just to drop a tiny bit on it. So, uh, yeah, it feels like that same Houston game. We're coming into it. I think it was kind of like, eh, just grab the points of same Houston and they accidentally pull it off. And like the same thing here, like Wilmington might hang in there and they probably don't win, but. It's not crazy to see it happening again, given how bad it looked against Pine Bluff and how bad Pine Bluff then looked against Mississippi State. It makes you really concerned that this Oklahoma team just is not anywhere near where we thought it was uh, would be uh, this season. Obviously, kind of like TCU as well. So especially with a coach like Porter Moser, I expected more out of this team. This being his second full year, or his, I think his first real year where he got the full year of recruiting and everything involved. And and like we said, it's really early. This isn't an indictment. Don't 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 come at us in the comments and tell you know what it's a, it's a long year. We know there could be a lot of improvements, right? Yes. And it's same with TCU both as we talked about them. Long way to go. Good coaches. It's just for right now. It's like there's a, a little bit more of a we got things to fix where some schools are starting to look a little bit better, feel a little bit like they're going in the right direction. You got two schools here that are in Oklahoma TCU that. Got a long way until conference play, got a long way until March, but you got to start fixing some things right now. It's not been good. (laughs) Yeah, Time to fix it, which is good. I need the time to fix it. Uh, Moving on to the best B side uh, for the season. You're profitable on these. That's fun. We'll see if we can keep that going here. Got a late one, 9 p.m. Central Loyola, Maryland, and UC Irvine. Uh, Irvine's a team the model has liked this year. Likes them again. Says that you should back them. 
laying six and a half. Model says it should be nine. This is one of those where you just hope that Irvine can get out, get a lead. It doesn't really matter if they're up five or nine late because the foul should at least get us to the seven or more that we need. And this is one where they're getting the best in number helps. Hopefully you're watching this uh, with us on Patreon here late night or you're getting it early in the morning on Tuesday before this number's had a chance to move. We never know where the number moves, but it does tend to move. I, I talked about this a lot with football. Two out of three times it moves with my model. Only one out of three it goes the other direction. So you never know. But if this gets up to that nine or, or eight and a half, nine, it's a lot different of a story knowing how fouls can lay in this game right at seven or eight. Um, those aren't key numbers to, to, to speak of. There's not, it's not like football where there's key numbers, but seven and eight are more likely outcomes for these type of games. This was a little bit more of a probability, an extra maybe 1% on each one of those. Uh, so being on the right side of seven, eight makes a lot of sense here given how fouls could happen. So model says B grade pick on Irvine minus six and a half. Again, since it should be nine here at home against Oil of Maryland. Jake, tell us why this is your best B-side of your Tuesday. Look, first off, round of applause to UC Irvine. They took out Oregon and Eugene and just dominated the game. I think mm -hmm. the final was 10, but they were up 20 for a, a good chunk of that game. Uh, so that that's very well, impressive. One the model was on, but I was like, didn't didn't expect that <laughs> at <laughs> all. Like, that was wild. Yeah, no, that, that was – Really unseen. I did not expect the money line win there. I thought they might cover because yeah. I thought I didn't. Well, didn't have a lot of trust in Oregon, but it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of points we were getting from yeah. it. Yeah, but I mean, they played. They've got a deep team. They played eleven guys over ten minutes. Um, most of the scoring goes through DJ Davis and Baker, which were the only two in double figures that game. But it was a rather low, low scoring game. Uh, so I mean, they beat the tail end off of uh, the D two school they played and where they. Beat them by, I think it was 46 points, and they had five guys in double figures there. So I think when they get closer to more similarly talented teams, there'll be a lot more scoring from this team. But, I mean, this this coach they've got and Russell Turner does a really good job at defense. Um, he's only had two losing seasons. Those are his first two years uh, at UC Irvine. And he's just, what, a handful of years off of the round of 32 run he had off a team. So I'm, I'm sure these, these teams, I didn't look into it, but I'm sure this is an older team. That's how these like mid-major kind of schools run. They <clears throat> they kind of go through a little bit of cycles where they, they get the players in. They're not as good as freshmen when they develop and turn them, into, turn them into pretty good teams. So this seems about that time where he's got a very good team uh, coming through. They are just very, very solid, don't make a lot of mistakes kind of team, and which is what you need when you're trying to cover something under 10. Because the but loyal uh, Marymount plays at a much. Yeah, it was just Mar Marymount. You can see on the screen. I, I, did, oh. I did the wrong one, but it is Mary. You gotta fix that. It is Marymount, not Mary Land. Yes. <laughs> wrong one showed up there. Hey, hey, it's fine. There, there's so many loyal schools. You just there are really them out of too many of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like come on. There's there's tons of names out there. Why why are we all choosing the same one? Um, yeah. But like I said, they play at a much faster rate in tempo, uh, which. I think really plays into the hands here of uh, UC Irvine because they're going to try to force the force the pace and try to get it up there. That I mean, anytime you play at a faster pace, that's more fouls, more turnovers, and things just because there's more possessions. But when they play a team like UC Irvine that wants to slow it down and has really good guards, what happens is, and this is what I really predict to happen here is. UC Irvine's going to slow it down. They're not going to be able to speed them up. So Loyola Marymount's going to make more mistakes uh, by 
one, turning the ball over, forcing things they don't need to on the offensive end, making passes that aren't there, or taking early shots, trying to speed it up, selling for jumpers, trying to speed anything up. And then on the defensive end, they're going to foul more because they're going to try to force things or they're going to go for steals that aren't there, and it's going to lead to easy buckets for Loyola and Marymount. And I think they'll just build throughout the game. I think this. I think UC Irvine gets this by double digits because – as that builds throughout the game and they hit their free throws and things like that, it's just going to build and build and, and compound itself. But UC Irvine should cover this fairly easy. All righty. And then to our Jacob Olive segment, a C grade play where the model just kind of says, don't know uh, what to do, but you have some advice for us aside from the model. 6 p.m. Central Vanderbilt at Temple. We've already successfully faded Vanderbilt in this spot once this season model says this should be temple minus 4.3 but does lean temple minus 4.5 but again from a mathematical standpoint there's not much there but jake you think there is which side are you on on this and why is that uh the side to be on tonight i'm taking temple minus four and a half here uh vandy is on the struggle bus and i don't see them getting off all year i mean they're looking worse and worse each game i mean it's only been two but they at least put up a fight against memphis and then southern miss just kind of dominated them um and both those games are at home this one they're in uh temple's in philly but i don't know where at in philly i feel like like it's a big place Uh, but they're going there i mean Southern Miss, only one player hit double figures, and he came off the – in the Southern Miss game, Vandy had one player hit double figures, and he came off the bench. Um, and he started in the first game, so Stackhouse isn't sure what he needs to do to get this team going um, when you see him, somebody tinkering with the lineup like that. Um, they also had three starters that combined for two points, and then four of them are all five combined for 15 total. There's just not a lot of production offensively happened for this team. Um, they forced the 13 turnovers against Memphis, but I think that has more to do with Memphis' style of play than it is Vandy because they only forced nine against Southern Miss, who's a much slower take-care-of-the-ball team. Um, Temple weirdly lost to Wagner in overtime, and I can't quite figure it out. I think maybe they might have been looking ahead to the Villanova game. Maybe. Uh, I don't know, but they beat Villanova at home by four. Well, as by two, that weird foul court storming situation, uh, whatever. Uh, but either way, they won outright on this Villanova team. I know Villanova seems to be struggling, uh, but it's still, that was before anybody really knew they were struggling and that yeah. they really took advantage of that. Um, Dunn is by far their best player, but they've also got a guy coming off the bench in battle who is very, very good. Both had 20 plus against Villanova. Um, uh, and the Wagner game, Dunn had 29, and uh, battle was real close to 20. They're just very, very good team. They play good defense. They don't. They take care of the ball, but the best trade is their free throw shooting. And when you got a number right here around that five number, that is very, very key in my opinion. Just because that means it's a tight game. That's fouls at the end. They're hitting 80 percent from the free throw line or above that. I think they hit eighty seven against Villanova and then eighty three against Wagner. That's just a very, very high rate to keep up. I mean, think of Villanova's team last year. That was one of the things we harped on a lot. Was you want to be on this Villanova team because if it gets close at the end, they are yeah. they're going to win. That's that's exactly what Temple's going to be here. And then, man, I know I gave this when we talked about the Vandy Memphis game. I said this until Vandy finds a point guard of value, mm-hmm. they're going to be struggling and having a hard time scoring. And that's just going to be tough to get anything done offensively until they get 
somebody who can take care of the ball and start the offense because right now they really don't have that, and you can tell they're just floundering around. Um, and so it's going to be a lot of fading Vandy, kind of like we're fading Louisville. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to – a great example there. We already talked about Oklahoma. We've already mentioned TCU as well. I, I think one of the keys to the early season betting, and it, probably a little bit better in basketball because you get a little more of a sample size to write, a little bit in football. Baseball doesn't work this way at all because the starting pitchers matter so much, right? But, you know, definitely in college basketball here, something that's important is kind of seeing something like that and saying, you know, I'm going to take a stance against this team. I'm going to fade them. I'm going to fade them 10 games, 12 games, 15 games, kind of until it stops working. And you know at some point – it's going, the number's going to catch up, but you're just going to say, hey, I'm going to keep doing it until that happens. You don't really know when it happens, but hopefully you make enough in the eight, nine, 10 games that it works that when it, that when you lose one back, it's like, okay, well, still, I've made enough of them. Now we can move home with life. So it's a, it's a similar thing we talk about with Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt Hill potentially struggling for a while until that happens. You know, you say, hey, if we can do it for 12 games and go 10 and two, and then maybe we, you know, we try it again, lose, go ten and three, lose, go ten and four, then we back off it. Hey, ten and four is great stretch yeah. to go off yeah. that. Yeah. So it was an incredible run there, right? Like, so it's like I'm, identifying that, capitalizing, and then saying, "Oh, okay, we lost a couple. Now we can just move on to something else, right?" Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Louisville is a great comparison here. They've got a little more talent, but that seems once people have been, kind of watched more than Vandy, it's just without a point guard, it's hard to get an offense yeah. started, and it's very easy to slow like force your pace and force your solid game if the other team can't do that. That's what's happening to Louisville. That's why they keep losing outright to some of these like underdog teams. And mm-hmm. I think the same thing's going to happen here to Vandy. Yep. All right. So shake and bake with Jake again. We're going to get one of these parlays here, but just, like we're just going to get, you know, get, get the dam to burst. You know what I mean? And then, <laughs> then the floodgates will open up. Uh, it's not, a, it's not part of the musty TV because we're going to talk about the, the big games later, but this is one that without that, classic whatever you know uh, happening we'd be talking about this game being the must-see tv game marquette and purdue 7 30 p.m central uh purdue is a nine point favorite obviously a very strong team you know hoping to you know final four aspirations for this purdue team had them last year fell just short but i mean the sky's kind of the limit especially with the guy like Edie in there just short is kind (laughs) lost the saint peters like yeah (laughs) You know, <laughs> it's kind. Very kind. I'm trying to be kind. It's early season. Optimism's high. All right? <laughs> they were seated such that they should have fallen just short. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, technically they did. Like it was what it was a Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight game. I can't remember. Sweet well, Sixteen. They, well, they, yeah, they, yeah. Um, you know, and again, the sky's the limit with a guy like Edie, who is just a matchup nightmare for literally anybody because of the height and what he can do. Uh, a Marquette team that, you know, uh, plays a different style of basketball there with, with Shaka. Can they give them some trouble is the question. Can they keep it close? Model says Purdue by 10. Model gives Purdue minus nine, a B grade. The total in this one is 147 and a half. So what is the shake and bake with Jake on this Tuesday? Look, we're, we're taking Purdue minus the nine and over the 147 and a half. All right. Like both these teams like the score. Don't get fooled by the last game where Purdue just could not Anybody not named Edie could not find the bucket. Um, I think he hit half the shots, had 30 points and 11 rebounds. It just had an absolute great game, but nobody else did. Yeah. I think they shot 16% outside of him, uh, which is just wild. They were two for 19 yeah. degrees. Um, but Shaka Smart and Marquette are going to play that fast pressure defense. And that's how 
I think almost any coach is going to try to scheme Edie out of the game is make him run. To, don't don't let him post up because what are you going to do against seven four and a guy that moves like that? It's, nothing. <laughs> it's, there's nothing you can do. So, and Marquette's not a very tall team. It's never been uh, calling card or Shaka. He likes more well, that shorter guard or shorter forwards that can run. So they're going to try to put some pace in. That's going to get a, a lot of scoring up. Purdue's got a very young backcourt, and I think there will be times where there's going to be a few stretches where they're turning the ball over more than they should, and that'll lead us more points because Marquette is going to get rolling. But being at home is going to be a big help for Purdue in this game and not let that Marquette crowd get all over those freshmen and <laughs> turn four, two turnovers into six there when right. you're trying to get the ball up half court. Uh, but Edie is a matchup problem, and there's nobody on Marquette that's going to get in his way. I, there's probably a handful of guys in the NCAA that are going to get in his way. Yeah. Um, but so him, I expect them to shoot more like they did in Milwaukee in like the mid 30s from three. They're going to shoot some extra threes because it's an inside out kind of offense. Throw it to your seven four guy. Let it, if he can't dunk it, toss it out. Shoot the three. Um, Foster Lawyer seems to be a really good player, a really good freshman coming in, starting, doing everything. Uh, and they also have Newman on the bench, who's a very good, very good scorer. You can get a little selfish at times, shoot a little bit too much, but uh, but I think he's a very good scorer. And they shoot the free throws very well. They're hitting very high percentage. And I think as long as they don't panic from the pressure, they'll slowly build throughout the game. Um, and they'll just slowly just go. And then with about three, four minutes left, they'll be up 10, and then it'll be 12, 15 and where Marquette's trying to force things and then where Purdue's trying to slow it down. I think we still get over that because I expect a very high-scoring first uh, half until Purdue can get their feet under them. I, I think it's interesting talking about Purdue. If you if you notice in the Google sheet, I've got the summary tab, and in the first handful of columns, I have the mean absolute errors across models. And you'll see that the absolute error for the spread is 9.3 points per game through the first week. Um, my model is 9.4. Ken Palm and team rankings is 9.5. I checked some other ones for y'all's convenience out there. The BPI is 9.7. BPI has some interesting opinions on teams, and Purdue is one of them. I feel like of their opinions on teams, it's like one out of three is like really finding value. And two out of three are like, I don't really know what's happening. And I'm not, I'm not saying which one Purdue is. I, I don't know. It's early in the season. It's hard to say. Um, but you can see why they're off a little bit more because they have some really strong opinions on team. Kudos for them for not, you know, hurting into, you know, where everybody else is. But it's interesting because Purdue is ranked 22nd, according to Kim Palm, 24th, according to team rankings. But according to BPI, they're all the way down to 72nd. And so it's like, I don't know what BPI is seeing that the rest of us aren't because, again, I, you know, it, things need to go right for Purdue to, to be, you know, that top four seed really going into the tournament. But but it's on the table. I think it's very possible for yeah. that to happen if things go right for them. And the way BPI looks at them is more like they'll be lucky to make the tournament. I'm like, that seems a little bit extreme to yeah, me. That's, maybe, that's way off. Maybe we'll look back at the end of the season. Maybe they'll go 17 and 12 or something. And we'll look yeah. back. We'll be like, man, BPI knew something we didn't. But it yeah. seems a little crazy to me that they've they've taken such a stance that they're not that good. I, I don't Again, I don't know what they're seeing. Um yeah. Like you talked about, the, the ED factor is just he's such a mismatch. If, if if you can game plan and figure out a way, whether it's the, 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 the double teaming or the you've got just happen to have another guy who's super tall and mobile as well, because you don't just need height. You need the mobility, right? If you can't yeah. move, 
and it, it ain't gonna help you um or, or whatever you can scheme up like you said if you can make them kind of one-dimensional you got a shot but otherwise that mismatch is like a whole x factor that it it, it, it can really cause some problems right yeah yeah i mean like you've seen it in different games like the last game is austin p they had nothing to do with it like they couldn't figure it out i mean he had 30 points he took 24 shots and hit and hit 12 of them and then what they'll hit the free throws to do the rest he like he's got a little bit of a jump shot to him sometimes he fades away but i think and this is i think being at home this is a huge advantage for purdue because at home like home court advantage really doesn't factor in fans as much as people think it's more about calls going their way and having a guy like Edie. Sometimes when he's away from home, he he will get fouls called on him for being too tall, and it's yeah. not necessarily an unphys like it's not necessarily if he was I don't know six eight. I don't think the move is a foul, but because he's seven four and his elbows in somebody's but his, yeah yeah the elbow instead of the elbow being at the chest yeah. is in someone's face or whatever. Right? Yeah, so those happen, and so I think at home is a big advantage for that because they'll get some benefit there from him being as physical as he is because. Lord, he's huge. And the the fear, the fear backing Purdue in non-conference is also different refs. That it's in non-conference, you tend to see a few more whistles because the refs aren't used to the players. They're a little bit more tend to be a little more jumpy, and we don't want to let things get out of hand. Right in conference, they know the players. They tend to let them get away with a few more things. And so, I mean, I'm with you. Purdue at home in conference, he can get away with being pretty physical, and, and or maybe less physical, he can get away with just doing his thing. Yeah. Whereas uh, in other situations, at times he does accidentally get into some foul trouble, not because he's you know, manhandling someone, you know, it's not that he's Dennis Rodman on people. It's just yeah. like, he said, he just, his height puts him in situations where it's like, he, he kind of accidentally fouls people can't get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. All right. To the must see TV segment, 6 p.m. Central Michigan state versus Kentucky. Of course, a, uh, a neutral site game here. Sideline says this should be Kentucky minus 6.7. Seven, it's got a C grade play on Michigan State taking the six and a half, but the model thinks it's priced pretty well. It's not a situation where it really likes one thing or the other. It would lean under specifically in this game, and I think that has to do with the neutral court, slower first half, different background. We've seen that in general. Part of and we just talked about home court advantage. Part of the home court advantage is a road team disadvantage of just the background of what you're shooting at looks a little bit different. Um, and so now both teams have to deal with that. So we have typically a little bit lower scoring games and uh, you know, March madness and sometimes your conference tournaments at neutral, neutral courts. So model would kind of say under a little bit here, secret pick on Michigan state, but not a strong effort, obviously a big game. One that uh, other than the matching football, which we should all be watching because it's matching um, shameless plug, you know, <laughs> since we got the Mac daddy on here, you know, sign up on the Patreon three bucks a month, you can get Jake's matching picks, but 6 p.m. Central here, Michigan State, Kentucky. What is your pick for the viewer on this must-see TV game? Look, I'm riding Kentucky. I think Michigan State's getting a little bit too much respect, and Kentucky's not getting as much respect as as they should as they're getting healthy here. They're expected to have Collins back to head Wheeler, who played starting minutes back. Um, I got a stinky feeling Sheikway plays, but I, I've got nothing like backing it up. It's just a feeling I have. Um, I think 
people are valuing Gonzaga too much, so they're giving credit to. Uh, I was going to bring that up. That's the big question mark: is exactly how good Gonzaga is, exactly how much that was Michigan State playing with them toe to toe. Uh, playing toe-to-toe with the top team versus how much of it was the location. There's a lot of question marks around that game. I think how you view that affects how you view this game for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, if you look at the schedule, you're not going to think Kentucky's been uh, tested. But after watching a couple games of this Duquesne team, I think we're going to look back at the end of the year and go, that that was a very impressive win, how they handled them. Uh, so I think they're, they've got Reeves, the shooter, who transferred in, who is just lights out. And he, that's his only job. He doesn't have to do anything. He comes off the bench, hits threes, is going to put up a lot of points, not do much else. Um, you've got Wheeler, who's just an incredible point guard. In his first game back playing, he has a double-double with 11 points and 11 assists and only two turnovers. Uh, Frederick and Wallace are good players. They didn't score a lot last game, but I think that'll that'll – fix itself that'll write itself uh michigan state's a good team don't take what i'm saying to say they're a bad team or anything like that they're they're very good i just don't think they've got the offensive talent i mean kentucky we talked about this last time kentucky is very long very athletic and very fast uh one of the stables of Islo teams are very physical teams they and that caught that kind of really hurt them in the Gonzaga game with how the whistles were being blown. And I think it's going to be very similar where they had two starters foul out. Joey Hauser had two points and fouled out, which was a big loss for them. They, they just don't have enough offensive talent to keep up with uh, Kentucky here. They don't have the guards to do it. They're not a very good shooting team. So they kind of depend on that kind of physicalness. And I, I don't, I think that's going to get them into a lot of trouble here. There's going to be fouls called a lot of free throws. It's going to be a very choppy game. I think it's a must-see TV game because it's going to be a good game, but I think it's going to be very choppy because um, for the fouls and whistles. But, I mean, Michigan State is hitting 27.9 from three on the year. They're not a very good free throw shooting team either. Um, when when this game is going, I think Kentucky's going to try to push the pace and be fast. They've got – they're a little deeper, got a little more talent. And I think that really benefit, it's going to be a huge benefit to them. And that's why they'll end up covering by about, I think they win by about 10. But It'll be interesting to see who controls the pace of this one. Because obviously that's not the type of game that Michigan State wants to play. If and they, I think they kind of know exactly with Gonzaga the same thing. If they get into a track meet, uh, it's not going to go well. So they want to grind the game to a halt. So uh, I, I hesitate to say live bet with college basketball because you see so many times in college basketball where the first four minutes plays out very different than the next 16 or the first eight minutes. You just never quite know. But so I, I hesitate to say it's one of those like you'll know by the first TV timeout because it, it could change, right? But yeah. I think we'll look back on it and we'll say whoever was able to control the tempo of this game is going to cover this number. If Michigan State controls it, grinds it down, goes slower – they're going to have a great chance of covering. If it gets higher scoring, that really benefits Kentucky. So that's also something to think about with a parlay and that they're correlated. If you like Kentucky, you might like the over, might be a decent parlay. If you like Michigan State, you might like the under, might be a decent parlay. Simply because they're correlated, you are going to get a little bit of a mathematical boost from the probability, and now you have a little bit more of a positive expectation to that investment. So something to keep in mind there with that game. Right after that one, we're going to do a double must-see TV segment here. Kansas and Duke, uh, the must-see TV game. Uh, Michigan State, Kentucky, the undercard in every <laughs> sense of the word. Um, Kansas and Duke here uh, should be a tight contest. Kansas is a one-and-a-half point favorite in this game. Sideline says it, it point 
zero kids should be favored by 0 0.04 that's the average amount that they win by so we're going to call that a dead draw here that this is truly 50 50 so the model likes grabbing the point and a half with duke gives it a b grade says there is enough of a probability that this lands on one that that offers some value um if it's as tight as we think uh these teams play towards that and that's it there, you might be saying you know like what's the probability it lands on one it depends on the type of game that's being played, right? If, if one team's definitely better than the other one, one isn't as likely. But if it, if it's tight late, teams tend the team that's ahead tends to play a little more conservatively and let that other team back in. So I wouldn't be surprised if Duke's up five late or Kansas up five late kind of throttles himself down, lets the other team back in it, and it becomes one of those back-and-forth type games. Maybe it goes to overtime or one of those, again, where somebody wins by a point. Kind of anything can happen here. Model likes taking Duke plus one and a half with a B grade. Also leans under as well in both of these. I think there might be a little value on both the unders as well, also because these are I, – I think that – I think it could be wrong, but my hunch is the totals are not going to go down. The totals are going to get bet up. Uh, especially as the day goes along, people are going to want this. People want to see points. This is the game on TV. If the numbers keep rising at some point, I think the unders just make a lot of sense because the total, you know, 144 and a half right now, I could see that happening. Sure. Uh, models is 139, but if, if that gets up to 146, 147, 100, at some point it's like, that's just so many points. I think the under makes a little bit of sense. Uh, Jake, what, what is your take on this game? Well, yeah, I'm taking Duke plus one and a half. Uh, there's rumors out there. Uh, Whitehead returned to five on five play, and they're working on getting him on game shape. So there's rumors out there that he might play. I don't think that happens. I don't think Shire's going to risk that. Um, but this is truly the game tonight. We've got a top ten matchup, and both these teams look like top ten teams. Um, neither team has truly been tested yet, but both took care of business in their tune up games. I'm not sure those really tuned them up. That was just they were blowouts. Um, like from the Duke side, like Mitchell has been a huge surprise. I don't think anybody expected him to come in and lead the team in scoring, especially with how much he stepped up with Lively and Whitehead out. Uh, Roach has really continued his amazing play from the end of last year. Uh, Proctor has struggled a little bit, and I don't think m many people saw that. But uh, coming, but Young and Granderson are showing why they're really good transfer pickups. Jalen Blake's has improved. Uh, this Duke team has played really, really good defense. They've it's the same style, same everything. I mean, John Shire is a Coach K carbon copy. Uh, may not be as good. We don't know yet. But it, the style of play and the attitude towards everything, at least with this team, looks exactly the same. Uh, a really defensive first mentality. And, 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 and one of those that may evolve and may change over time. Yeah. But I, but year one, stepping into those shoes with all those same, you know, with those players, those recruits, et cetera, it makes a lot of sense to just say, I'm not going to try to rock the boat. If, if it's going to change, it's going to be a subtle overtime in five years In 10 years, we may see a very different type of team, but yeah, right away. It definitely looks like he is trying to just say, we're going to keep everything the way it was going. We're not going to rock the boat. We're not going to veer off into a different direction. We're still going the same way. I mean, who could blame it? Over a thousand. Yeah. Wins. yeah. 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 I'm going to, I that. would too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to change it, but I mean, yeah. the, the impressive part here of this defense is they've held both opponents under 50 points. I know they weren't, Great teams by any stretch, but still holding teams under 50 um, is a very hard thing to do in basketball, especially with the three-point line um, and blowouts and taking your foot off the gas kind of thing. Uh, Kansas has been just as good, though. Jalen Wilson works amazing right now. He's probably the best, best player on the team. Grady Dick is everything everybody thought he would be coming in and just showing off right away, not missing to be as a freshman. Um, 
McCuller is a very underrated player on this team because he's not having to do as much as he did at Texas Tech last year, but he's very, very good defensively, a good shooter, makes the right decisions, and a guy you want to kind of lean on in uh, hard times when it gets tough. That's where they're probably going to go, I would expect at first. I haven't watched much of Kansas yet, but looking forward to seeing how that works. They've also – they're uh, the point guard – Junior is his last name, or not his last name, but he's a junior. It's D.W. Junior. I can't remember, um, but he's very, very good, very good shooter. This is a really, really good matchup. It's like splitting hairs between the two. There, there's no coaching advantage here. I mean, self's out. Coach K's gone, so it should yeah. be it should be as even as possible everywhere down the line. Um, I think the advantage swings to Duke at the size with Flipadowski Mitchell. Young and Lively all playing. It's four guys, and they can play two of them at a time with Flipowski out there because he can shoot the three and does it very well. Mitchell is, Mitchell can also play outside a little bit, a little more athletic. But along with Lively, they they can really push the pace when Lively's in because he's a seven-foot guy that can really move. He's thin, though, is the only issue. So rebounding is question mark. But with Young, Young and Granderson playing defense is really good. Roach is an incredible point guard. And I think it really comes down to the size and just the depth of everything that Duke has and just the defense they're playing so far. But this is – I'm so excited for this game. I'm trying to swing tickets if I can find them somewhere reasonably since it's here in town, but it's not looking that way. If It sounds like to – if you had to go over or under on this one, 144 and a half, you'd, you'd be thinking under as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm leaning under, um, like you pointed out, no gym. Like I know these teams have played here before, but not these. It's kids. still diff. It's diff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and a lot, a lot of the, a lot of them aren't the same players for sure. Yeah, and and, and it, even if you had a year ago, it's so you got to get reacquainted with it, right? It's that's yeah. the biggest. It doesn't really even help if you play in the same place, you know, once in January or once in March, right? It doesn't do. It's the fact that you're at that same gym every day. That's when you start yeah. getting really comfortable with it and, and it feeling better. Um, if you, if you dig into it. You got to ignore the fact that the last time Duke was here and playing, it was the Zion Williamson thing, and they just beat the brakes off Kentucky. Um, that was a special group of freshmen that came through with RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson. That's just, and no, that wasn't Tatum. Uh, there was a third guy. I can't remember the third guy, but it was just a very, very different group. You're looking at what two of the top three picks, or maybe one and two there. That, that's like that, not yeah. this team. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you would also lean under there, but you and I are both on Duke plus one and a half. That's our show today. Jake, any parting words? No, just like you said, action. Get in, get into the Patreon. Watch the college football show. Get uh, the professor and cousin Jared's ideas. You're on Patreon. You can get mine. We've been hitting hitting those pretty good. Make make some money early in the week. That way, you got it to spend the rest of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very well said. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Picks with the Professor. Don't forget to subscribe so you can share all the sports betting content we've run on this channel. It's dropped right into your feed. We'll be back again tomorrow with more college basketball betting content. And again, those three college football episodes throughout the week. And until we see you again, as always, best of luck. And remember, you get your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.